I must say that we're seeing a, a, a lot of voices coming out about the state of the our, our world, really. And more recently, we had a photography festival called Photiville. So mm. I was quite excited that on the back of that, that the Douse has a new exhibition called This Time of Useful Consciousness, featuring New Zealand artists who are chiming into the conversation with the of the urgency to address global environmental issues, curator for the Douse, Melanie Oliver, is here in the B Side Studios on Access Radio, talking about the stories behind these artists' works tonight. Melanie, welcome to B Side Stories. Kia ora koutou. Thank you. Great. How how long have you been the curator for out at the Douse now? Oh, around about nine months now. Fantastic. And how how was your journey with this? I'm getting to know Lower Hutt um, Mm. more as I um, spend more time out there and, yeah, really enjoying um, the gallery. It's it's such an unusual um, uh, museum, the Dallas Art Museum. It has a history of um, contemporary art as well as applied art. Right. So we have ceramics, textiles, jewellery, alongside painting um, and sculpture and and other things. So it's quite a nice mix. And there's also a really nice kind of family-friendly atmosphere mm. and, and focus. Mm. I so. must say, I, I, I always find it such a, a treasure or a taonga for, for us in the Wellington region. But, yeah, the Douse definitely brings something that, that is quite unique, isn't it? Yeah, we're a little mm. different to, to some of the other spaces around. Mm. And I do love that tactileness myself, so thank you for that. <laughs> Although we do often have to not touch signs. <laughs> okay, and that's tricky for those that have the Ta- fingers yeah. that love to touch. <laughs> yeah, beautiful, but look, look only. <laughs> so, Melanie, this exhibition really grabbed us, and of course, it's right, you know, down the alley of a lot of the conversations we have here on B Side Stories. How how did this exhibition, the time of useful consciousness, come about? Well, I've just been concerned, I guess, about climate change and communicating the urgency of climate change is a real challenge. Mm. And I feel that one thing that art can do is provide space for us to talk and think about things. And so I just thought that now it's it's now or never, kind of. And um, so I wanted to just put it out there about the urgency of climate change in particular. And the title, um, This Time of Useful Consciousness, it it takes an aeronautical term, Mm. Time of Useful Consciousness, which is used when there's um, the oxygen goes out in the for a a pilot, say, and there's a small moment between the loss of oxygen and passing out in which you know there's something critically wrong, but you have a moment to assess it and to do take some action, to do something about it. And for climate change, that's kind of that moment is for us now. So we know that there's these terrible things going wrong. The trajectory for us is not looking good. And now's our moment to, to take action to do that. Um, so this was first used as a metaphor for climate change by a poet, um, Lorenzo right. Flongetti. And then one of the artists who's in the exhibition, Amy Howden Chapman, um, used this again, reutilised it for her work. And her father has actually written a book, um, Time of Useful Consciousness, looking at climate change. Um, Ralph Chapman, who works at Victoria University. So, yeah, it's, I'm not the first to use the term, but I quickly realised that this was actually it, it's quite useful as a way of thinking about we must act now. Kind of. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And like all of us, I'm, I'm in the space, but I haven't heard the term or at least grasped it before, maybe with that meaning, mm. which is so pivotal. So just talking about, is it um, 
the beautiful girl, um, Howden Chapman. What is her first name again? Amy. Sorry. Amy. Sorry. <laughs> Too many papers all over the desk. Now, there's an organisation that is formed around artists for a voice. Is that right? Is it called The Distant Plan? Uh, yes. Amy Howden Chapman um, has collaborated with Abby Canane, who's a curator based in Auckland, and together they um, run The Distance Plan, which is a publishing right. project, and they put out... Um, a publication around about once a year, I think it is, mm. publishing on art and climate change. So the connection of those two things. Again, I guess acknowledging how art can be used as a communicative tool mm. to enable us to think. I mean, it can be a bit overwhelming, these kinds of things, and also the science can be quite hard to understand. Yes. So if you can put an image to that um, or tell the human story of it mm. or, or provide a metaphor, a visual or a language metaphor around it, then it makes us all be able to see it a little more clearly or from a different angle. And um, the idea of taking action, I think, is quite complicated. Um, so we kind of need as much as we can get to help us through, I think. Yes, we do. And and to be inspired as well. So I'm loving it that, that you... So you're saying you've been here at the Dows for nine months and this is one of your projects that you've created... Uh, create, uh, curated, sorry. Created and curated. <laughs> yeah. Um that's awesome. Is it a challenge for the Dows to to pull in some of these controversial topics? Um, I guess the idea is that it's not too controversial because I, I think there's not many climate change deniers anymore. Mm. Um, I think it does it is political in its nature of mm. um, it's called political ecology now is the second part mm. of the title and political ecology is a way of looking at ecological issues um, in terms of thinking about how they are embedded within a broader society. So looking at the environment, you can't separate it out from the social aspects and mm. um, the social tipping points that are required before we can do anything, um, how um, political policy affects that, um, the economic drivers behind things, that we have to look at ecology broadly within a kind of you know, a whole systemic right. kind of change. And the idea that it's not such, um, I don't want to enter into the politics of that, but mm. that it is political, I guess. So mm. um, I guess policy does come into it a lot. And I think there are some positive um, stories and situations that are happening, like the Hutt City Council is actually really proactive around a lot of this stuff. And so for me as well, it's about not just saying, oh, there's all this negative stuff, but that there's some positive things happening too. And, and to kind of make people aware of that and to support that mm, mm. is really important as well. To We might be taking small steps at times and it might feel, but like the Greater Wellington Regional Council, they're also doing some really good stuff. So yes. it's about saying, yes, come on, let's support those people who are doing good things as well. So I don't want it to be all doomsday, um, which is, uh, you know, that's often you read things in the media um, because they need to make it newsworthy and story-driven. Yes. That we do get this slant on it being kind of quite a dramatic kind of a thing, whereas actually it's just as important to acknowledge some of the positive stories that are happening too. Th thank you, and I think that's one of the reasons why B-Side Stories exist, yeah. is Yay. to help these stories <laughs> get out there and, and actually to help us understand that we can make a difference mm. by, by all our actions. So, yeah, yeah. nice work. <laughs> Another thing that tends to come up too, though, sensationalizing this sort of thing well not sensationalizing but trying to make it appear more dramatic and you know another uh, important facet of having an art exhibit explore this in addition to just a political stump speech or you know a scientist uh, talking head getting up and speaking is that 
we have such a hard time dealing with an abstract thought. And when you think about it, you know, a carbon load in the atmosphere is very abstract. Very. Your, your impact on someone uh, in a country that is on the other side of the planet from you is, is a very abstract thought to keep mm -hmm. track of. And so they, they, they need to get people engaged, but at the same time by making it seem like some kind of doom and gloom or tomorrow the world is going to end. You know, these movies that seem to come out every two or three years, you know, 2012, the world will end because of climate change, you know, and giant wave destroying the city. You know, they, they try to get people engaged in this sort of thing, but it also, it, it sort of cheapens it in some ways. So it's, it's important to get that more honest, upfront portrayal mm. of this sort of issue, I think. So. Mm. One thing I found as well is that the artists, a lot of um, you know, artists are dealing with this themselves as well. Mm -hmm. They're trying mm. to come to grips with that. And so when I started doing some research towards the exhibition, I found that there were a number of artists who were really concerned right. with this as well. And so it was quite easy to pull together into the show 10 projects or collectors of artists who are just exploring different areas of it potentially, but mm -hmm. all kind of looking at environmental issues in a certain way. Great. So let's talk a little bit about the artists. So they're all New Zealand artists. Yes, not all are based here, but all right. are from New Zealand. Right, um, fantastic. I wanted it to kind of be um, local kind of artists or artists from Aotearoa New Zealand who are taking a global perspective. Great. So seeing us within that broader kind of global, it's a global challenge, climate change, um, but we have a certain perspective on it from here. So mm. I think it was important to kind of reflect on that as well. Great. And and so just, just about the disciplines that they've used, it seems like there's a lot of video, but are there other ways that they've, they've wanted to bring these discussions to the public? Yes, there is quite a lot of video. And mm. I thought on that, um, a lot of it I think is because it has to capture the time-based nature of this right. problem. And so in some ways the answer is to use a medium that is time-based as mm. well. There's also some sculpture great. and there's a newspaper as part of one of the projects, some great audio. One of the projects is the documentation of a lot of research that's been undertaken by landscape architecture students um, under Huhana Smith and right. her collaborators, um, yeah, Martin and Penny from Victoria University. So there's a range of different things. Right. Yeah, some photography, some video, great. a lot of video. Right. <laughs> no, that sounds that sounds great. And yeah. when we we like it fast and moving, so mm. that will be good. Tell me about you've got an understanding of the stories and and what is one of the examples of the works that you might be able to share with our listeners today. There's a couple of works in the show that I, I think are a, a good example to talk about in terms of this. One is a project by a graphic designer and artist, Matt Galloway. Right, and who, we have the lovely newspaper here, ladies and gentlemen, which you can't see. I'm holding up to the <laughs> microphone. It looks really good, That's though. Right. You're going to have to it's, go to the dust to get one. It's yeah. called The Ground Swallows You, and this is right. the second part. So for the first part, Matt noticed out his window in Dunedin, where he lives, um, a, a large ship coming in, and he didn't recognise what the signage on the outside and... And he, as a graphic designer, was kind of curious about the logo type thing. And so started doing a bit more research into it and found that this was actually from Western Sahara and was bringing fertiliser, phosphate fertiliser, to New Zealand to, to be used on our farms. And he started delving into this a little bit more and then started learning a little bit more about the contested nature of Western Sahara through Moroccan occupation and... 
Um, looking into it, he um, got quite concerned and he produced part one of the project. This is part two where he subsequently in between went over to Western Sahara to see for himself what was happening there, going to a human rights conference and um, taking a look. He stayed in um, a refugee camp in Algeria where a lot of the people have fl- had fled to since wow. 1975. And so oh my the newspaper documents this um, and shows... Um, the Fertiliser Association of New Zealand um, stance on this as well as the woman he was staying with while he was over there and it's really interesting just drawing these connections between um, the local use of fertiliser on our farms which has its own impact impact (laughs) on problems in terms of our waterways Mm. but then also the impact on people on the opposite side of the world so it kind of shows like a local perspective on a global kind of Problem, um, which can be quite upsetting. I think, yes, but, um, yeah. and, and also those points where you connect. And you talked about he he interviews the woman that he he stayed with exactly, and she really articulates quite clearly and and provides a a human face to that problem that can be quite abstract, as you mentioned. Mm. Um, but yeah, so that's one project I think that shows the kind of globalized world and connection, but also one that talks to New, us New Zealanders. Yes. We do tend to think it's going on out there, I think, as a real Kiwi thought processing. And I think what he does identify as well is that it's actually not the farmers, New Zealand farmers, who are at fault in Mm. any of this. They're kind of part of the system, aren't they? They're They're an actor in the the play. Yeah, yeah, but also that they don't essentially know what's happening over there either. And so there's this kind of this lack of the, um, the control of information is quite... Interesting. Mm, yeah, wow. so that's one project I think that's quite interesting and quite um, and, and heavy. What, a, what about the cover, the um, shot that we chose to use on our Facebook post, which is so beautiful? This is a lovely, um, a lovely still from Via Muffy Leu's mm. um, work, which is documentary um, of her home island in Tonga, wow. where she really brings it home to a, a, a human face to this, talking about her family right. and what's happening there. Um, Tonga is particularly affected. I mean, all of the Pacific is Mm. really affected now by climate change and by sea level rise. But Tonga in particular, because of its situation on the tectonic plates, just where it is, it's kind of impact is the impact is greater there just because of the natural movement right um, so they're they're finding that the rising sea level and also the sal- salinity levels of the soil that they can use so crops are starting to fail and things like that yeah. so it's really it is quite hard um hard watching but it is it's important to see mm. that kind of what's the the real life impact that's going on there yeah so right. that's quite a touching film and and then also, what about on the New Zealand front? So you talked about um, one of the more positive stories. That yeah, we go on, like go to, on. Give us. We do need those. Yeah, yeah, we need. Yeah. I think we do. Um, to balance out some of those things is um, there's been some really amazing research being undertaken, driven by Huhana Smith, Dr. Huhana yes. Smith, who is the head of the art school at Massey, but is also an artist and researcher in other ways, mm. and she's been leading um, some research into. Um, responses to coastal erosion, taking a Mahuranga Māori perspective. So from her her home um, in Kuku, um, working with um, the various people around there and the farms that are run um, by her hapu, uh, she's done some great research with um, landscape architecture students as well as creative 
practitioners thinking about how to diversify farming, what you can do in the face of coastal erosion and and the incoming tide, like as sea level does rise, what happens if it does rise? How can you treat those waterways? Mm. Can you look to harakiki? Can you? What other things can you do to work in coastal areas? Right. Um, and w- and, and w- to w- forward the, plan. You know, yeah. how can you adapt? How can you protect? And um, how can you diversify? So, well. Uh, brave questions asked there. It's almost, I think I'm still in denial <laughs> of that, having to deal with it. But once again, I know that the Hutt City Council are also doing amazing work and really thinking that through, mm. that adaptation. So for you, this must have been quite a passionate, you must be quite passionate about this exhibition. I guess I, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yep. I try not to get uh, too ranty about it. <laughs> no, but it's a wonderful opportunity. So you talked about action and, and also, so what can, in your view, and, but I know it's not your job to put the words there, but what, what is the outcome you would, you would love to, to see if there could be one? I guess the thing is it's a local and a global problem Mm. and we can all try in our small ways to do what we can for environmental concerns um using your car less um those simple things of you know trying to do your local things but more importantly as well we need to support i think policy that is looking towards making big impact Mm. changes um which can be really hard and so i think it's just being aware of these and thinking about it um in terms of a yeah a broader society, we need to kind of together be willing to take those brave steps towards supporting change. So I, yeah. I, I love that word together, and I think that will be one of the biggest challenges for us. Actually, is that we'll need to work out how to do that. Yeah, yeah. that's the truth. Ben, do you have any questions for Melanie just before we find out how we can find out more? As far as what we've discussed today, I feel like we've been pretty in-depth. Generally, when you you put something like this together, uh, as as a more human interest question, (laughs) does this make you feel more optimistic or being presented with so many different artistic images of the destruction and of the, the sort of tipping point that we either are on in this big slow way or very quickly approaching, do you, do you find yourself optimistic or do you find yourself pessimistic? And just as a, as a person. Potentially I'm... Oh, I don't, I don't know that I'm quite optimistic yet, yeah. but I was really thrilled when I started doing some research around it and mm. found that there are a number of artists concerned right. in addressing it. And I think we're seeing more and more discussion in our media, in the newspaper. Mm. People are talking about it and they're thinking about it more. And I guess that's the start to doing something about it yeah. is um, we're starting to take it seriously. Yeah. And less and less do you hear detractors. Right, there is so, that. I think I think you can be optimistic that we're thinking about it, and now it's just um, yeah. can we do something quickly enough? It's, yeah, it's heartening to to see people working or to hear about people having different and uh, different takes on things that are all sort of leading to the, towards a positive change. Um, I can definitely I can relate to that. Yeah, um, it's tough. I mean, you you need to everyone needs to sort of keep reaching out and find you know building these connections between people to. Find out what's going on. Find out what they can do more. Find out what they need to do less of, and be humble in that sense too. Um, yes. Accept the changes they need to make. 
So Yes, it's going to be a, an interesting time for us going forward. But I think like Dr. Huhana Smith, I think that just even doing what you can locally makes such a big difference. So, Melanie, how can we find out more? And there are a couple of talks going on that might be of further interest as well. Yes, we have quite a full public program coming up to look at different aspects um, of the project. Right from this Saturday at four o'clock, we have um, Richard Freighter is going to give an artist talk at the gallery about his work, which is um, a fantastic, beautiful sculpture with a live oyster in it, um, where he's talking about some of the uh, information that Shell Oil put out about oysters filtering the ocean. But he will talk more about that on Saturday at four. So we have some of the artists talking directly. We also have, I'm going to give a brief introduction to the exhibition and a tour with um, Ralph Chapman, Professor Ralph Chapman. um, He will offer the science and I will offer um, some descriptions of the projects and that's the following Saturday, Saturday the 29th, which will be followed by a free film screening of a film called There Once Was an Island, looking at Taku, a film made by Briar March. So that's the following Saturday at 2 Wow. Um, We have Dr. Huhana Smith talking on the 20th of May, which is really fascinating. She's... Um, inspirational and what she's been doing is just terrific so it's really worth getting along to definitely um we're going to have a panel on the pacific looking particularly at pacific and climate change on the 13th of may and later we have one called grassroots to policy makers which is Hmm, a range of people who are exactly all of those levels so um that will be on the 8th of july that's looking at some of the action that is undertaken yeah a full slate Great. Lots of things, busy time. Great, Melanie. Well pulled together. That's fantastic. Yes, most definitely. 